<laughs> you're listening to great scott the office podcast my name is jay ray and with me is my countdown desk mate jacob oh how's it going i don't know why jay ray's laughing at me but he is well you know what it is we uh Long-time listeners will know that we've gone through like, you know, we've gone through a couple format changes, four episodes, two episodes, different recording softwares or whatever. So there are just some days where we start the show and uh, we are not on the same page. Like he verbally counted down, but sometimes he does a hand countdown. And I don't know if the countdown is for I'm going to hit record or is the countdown for you should start talking. And then there was a beat of awkward silence and I was giggling and I thought it was funny. Uh, yeah, but we're here. We're here to talk about the office and uh, and the peace treaty of the Koreas. So uh, yeah, we'll jump into that. Yeah, well, so New York Times said, "I'm just kidding." <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, um, we remember the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. You can find more episodes of Broken Jars at XYZ. Uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars to give us some hard earned money. We got. Big shout out to our newest um, patrons, Greg and Benjamin. Thanks for helping us out, server costs, that kind of stuff. And you can come hang out with us on the Discord. But yeah, we are here to talk about The Office, and it kind of it kind of worked out because this one episode, this our episode, lined up perfectly with the two part episode, Classy Christmas, season seven, episode eleven slash twelve, and or twelve. Yeah, so. If you listen to us as we come out, enjoy a little uh, Christmas in May. Yeah. Technically April, I suppose. Uh, and if not, then happy Christmas whenever you're listening. I don't give a shit. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode was uh, written by Mindy Kaling, directed by Mr. Rain Wilson. I wonder how if it worked out that way or if they were like, look, they knew it was going to be Michael's or Steve Carell's last Christmas episode. So I wonder if they were trying to do like something special for it. Mm. Well, judging by the content of the episode, I mean, aside from it doing like whatever the main story is of this season, I don't think it does a lot of special stuff for Steve Carell. Well, it's a long episode. Well, I mean, more just like, hey, let's make it special by having, you know, Dwight direct it. Right, like these friends of his or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, Mindy, I mean, she's she's been around since pretty much day one as a writer. So Right. Or there may be like Steve's leaving. Let's see if Rain can step up. And he is, doesn't. Is this his first episode? Uh, probably not. I feel like at this point they must have all directed something. But let's see. If I click his name. Uh, no, he directed the cover-up. Oh, cool. And then he also directs Get the Girl later on. Mm-hmm. So we open up, and it's Christmas, which they always do a really good job of acting cold, even though they're shooting this in probably like August or September in LA. Yeah. And they always put that filter on it to give it that like gray haze when they're outside. Like a gray blue kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're trying to get like this Christmas card thing done. Yeah. You know, it's a corporate Christmas card. They've talked about like a Dunder Mifflin newsletter before. So I imagine all the branches are going to submit something like this, or maybe not. Maybe Michael just makes them do it. Think hoping one year they'll put it in the card. Uh, no, they, they were sending out, sending out the clients. Pam says something about this is just, this is just a Christmas card from your paper supplier. It's not going on a fridge. Right. Right. Um, so they take a nice picture. Nate's taking the photo and then, um, Michael wants to take a silly one. Right. Right. So Jim's like, yeah, let's be practical. 
one Charlie's Angels. And that's it. Because everyone's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, free, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. In, in, at least in Western PA, it's generally like 20 degrees around that time. So, Yeah. Yeah. In Jersey, which we're not that far away, but far enough away for it to be different. Mm-hmm. But it's weird around then. Sometimes it's still nice. Sometimes it's only like 40, 50, you know? They yeah. Just walk around in a hoodie. Yeah, I mean, it definitely moves around, but it tends to be generally colder around Christmas here. Yeah. So. It, um, Kevin has this, and I don't exactly know what this what he's trying to get at, but he wants this thing about like, hey, we should split up where the guys are doing this why I ought to pose where the girls are doing let's go shopping. I don't yeah, get I don't the know. juxtaposition he's trying to create in this this obvious master art piece he's trying to create here. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's probably just the best way he can separate the genders. Like, that's all he knows about women is that they like shopping. And he thinks the ideal man is a wife beater. <laughs> is that like... <laughs> I feel like it's a honeymooners thing, you know, like a, yeah. a bang zoom kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always think about uh, the second episode of Futurama, where it's like, where, where they think it's the honeymooners is the guy who, you know, oh yeah, did this okay. He's like straight, straight to the moon. moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, so then otherwise they uh, settle on jumping. I think it's Aaron's idea. And, that was uh, Andy's, but whatever. Or maybe it was Andy's. Not one of those. One of those bubbly sons of guns. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they try, and it's not working. Aaron's jump in too early. Uh, because Phyllis, she doesn't want to miss it. That's right. Uh, Phyllis and Oscar not jumping at all. Yeah, well, Oscar's not even trying. Like Phyllis, at least she's getting up on her toes. Yeah, she's like doing the jumping motion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and the cold open ends with just some terrible jumping attempts. I've yeah. never successfully been in a photo where people jumped. I've never tried. Yeah, I can't imagine it's easy. Oh, it's been a while since I've like legit tried to jump. <laughs> like I played basketball in high school, you know, could almost dunk a basketball, but now I could probably I probably couldn't even get the get a hold of the net. Well, really, as an adult, do you ever have to jump? Right, adults don't jump. We just walk. Right. I mean, the the closest you're going to come to jumping is like one of those long skips over like a puddle or something right um so pim so we are at the office the day of a christmas party mm-hmm. well it's supposed to be the christmas party mm-hmm. but uh, some things have changed um right pam has killed the party planning committee which at its worst was uh, a political thing to make to exclude people and to make people feel terrible. Right. And at its best at planned parties. That's right. <laughs> and apparently they're like bummed out about a fake tree, which like, I don't know, I'm allergic, so I've never had a real Christmas tree. Yeah. I mean, I've always lived in an apartment. So it's like, what's the I mean, Even like growing up, like we even had fake trees growing up. So yeah, I mean, same. I, I, one day I might own a house. That concept is crazy to me because since I was born, I've only ever lived in upstairs apartments. Always upstairs. It's a, tra- it's a weird transition buying a house. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do it. So if my, uh, my girlfriend's listening, and she is because she's in the next room. Well, you could always buy an apartment. Well, that sounds crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I, I, call, I call big life decisions that involve money white people nonsense because <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things and it's racist of me to say uh that you know there's uh, as a brown man 
I don't get choices, Jacob. I just do what the white man tells me. <laughs> uh, or in this case, the white lady. <laughs> she says we might get a house, so I don't know. Anyway, so... <laughs> so uh, but it's worth it. I will say that. I, like, yeah. it's, we're, I, getting, buying a house is really stressful, but once you get past it, it's worth it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'll feel that way. I felt that way about a dog, and now I've had a dog. It's terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we got like this fake tree and Pam has put some Royal Pine air fresheners in it. Yeah. Now, if you ever just want to be mean to somebody, um, like especially for like the whole doing the thing to the groom's car at the wedding, mm. get like 30 of those and just hide them in the car. Why? So their whole car smells like a pine tree? It's terrible. Like a lot of a pine tree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a pine tree took a dump in their car? <laughs> we did it. To a friend of mine's car at his wedding. He was like, eight years later, that car still smelled like oh, pine. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there's an interesting happenstance around the office where Michael kind of comes in kind of ready and excited for the usual drama of the Christmas party, right? Is There's cheating fiancés. There's um, alcoholics. There's Benihana, you know, Christmas. Right, right. <laughs> Where exactly. he's getting drunk. Interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of types of things that tend to happen on Christmas, but he walks in in his Santa getup and everybody's kind of chill. They're all just ready for the party and ready for the holidays. Right. You, like Stanley's happy. Angela's happy because she's dating the senator, which she says like every 30 seconds in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend had to Google state senator because I didn't realize that states had senators and apparently 49 states have senators that are like a state senate that deal with mm-hmm. state legislation right didn't know that didn't know that was a differentiator or anything so i never got this joke until i google homed it and i was like hey google what the hell is a state senator uh, <laughs> i have been told um and living in pa this it would not surprise me if it's true but that PA state senators actually make more than U.S. senators and have bigger pensions. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, um, a New Jersey state senator's salary is $49,000 a year is what I read on Wikipedia today. So that's like, so it's not their job. Like that's just a thing they do. It's like being on the PTA, but for a state. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I could see it not being a big deal, I suppose. But, uh, oh, so, so in this instance too, then Kelly comes out with Gabe and they've got some gifts for the whole office, Mm -hmm. the, you know, annual corporate gift. Um, it's the first, yeah. Past we've seen shot glasses. Yep. We've seen bathrobes. Are those the only two we've seen? I think so. Okay. But um, yeah, Kelly comes out and they're bearing gifts and it's pink Hello Kitty laptop cases. I mean, not, this, this was a 2011 episode. And in 2011, I was already out of college, uh, but I had purchased myself like a graduation laptop. And there are like dozens of laptop sizes around that time, you know? Oh, yeah. Your netbooks. I think I had a 17-inch screen laptop because I did video editing or whatever. Um, so this one size fits all Hello Kitty laptop case, aside from it being Hello Kitty. Uh, risky gift. Yeah. You have a laptop. You probably, it's probably one of the, like, I mean, they, they didn't have a lot of ultra thin laptops. But by 2011, there were more thinner laptops out there. So it's probably like a 15 inch, just like standard laptop kind of thing. Right. But again, like, yeah. how, how did she get this past corporate to buy all these Hello Kitty things? 
Yeah, well, and then we find out that, what is it, Nashua? Mm-hmm. They had MP3s as their gifts. So does that count for, like, their branch is more successful? Or really, they just did a better job at buying gifts? Maybe they just did a better job buying gifts because, uh, I mean, it it's made out that Scranton is the most successful branch in the company. At this point. Right, right. At least that's how it's always seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Kelly goes on this nice spiel. She's like, I wonder if these gifts were given to you by a white person, you know, would you be scrutinizing over it? And everybody like groans. And she's like, I said, if. You know, I said, I wondered, not. I wondered, yeah. I think. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, I love Kelly at this point because she's just so crazy. Like she's like the Indian version of Creed, but more spacey. Yeah. Oh, more Valley Girl. Quite. Yeah, more Valley Girl, yeah, for sure. Like she's still a person at the end of the day where Creed is definitely mostly criminal. <laughs> um, uh, and then we get a talking head with Gabe uh, where he's asked if him and Aaron are still dating, which apparently is a question he gets a lot from the crew. <laughs> well, we know that, you know, the camera people start to develop feelings. So maybe one of the camera guys had a thing for Aaron. Probably. Or maybe they're just like, man, once Gabe stops dating Aaron, we won't have to talk to him so much. <laughs> he's such a weird guy. He's always going on about his weird Korean horror porn. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to talk about saber work ethic you know right um daryl finds out that uh he's going to be able to watch his daughter this coming christmas and apparently mm-hmm. his last christmas which was two years ago was good um and they watched a lot of iCarly yeah yeah we, we find out that he's really into iCarly and something about the camera guy's got a, a nice way of talking or something crazy yeah i mean I'm, I'm aware of that character but i don't recall any specific speaking stuff but i will say like those live action nick shows especially at that time they were all very like similar it was weird like because kids were the voice of reason in those shows you know Right. So parents are always walking around with their pants on their head. And then fucking some 14-year-olds all like, Dad, you can't wear pants on your head. You know, <laughs> that's what those shows were like. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen an episode. Like, I know of the show, but I... Yeah. So what what kind of sets up one of the, the longer-running plots for these this episode, two episodes, I don't know, however, you, however you want to look at it in your head, is... It starts to snow, and Jim's like, oh, it's snowing, and Dwight just starts giving him hell about how it's not a real snow, and, you know, he's essentially just calling him a little girl for liking the fact that it's snowing and pointing it out and stuff. Yeah, well, he was made fun of once uh, because of snow. Uh, What was it? It snowed exactly at midnight. Right, right. Michael's making fun of him, and he started crying. Yeah. Well, because then also, like, they were watching Armageddon. Mm-hmm. They're like, are they going to leave Bruce Willis on the asteroid? <laughs> yeah. So and I wonder if Dwight is particularly sensitive to it. Well, I actually have a, a thought about that. But so, so Jim goes outside and manages to scrape up enough snow and throws a snowball in. It's more like a snow racquetball than an actual ball. But I mean, it's pretty small in Dwight's face. And Dwight gets really pissed about it. It's like, yeah, super pissed. And it seems out of place for Dwight, like the level of upset he is. Yeah, I mean, I guess how many of Jim's pranks are physically violent? You know, this may be an escalation that Dwight wasn't ready for. Yeah, I mean, 
one, James should not have hit him in the face. You know, if you're doing something like that, hit him in the chest, you know. Back of the head? Yeah, back of the head. But but I, my thought was that maybe Dwight was just looking for an opportunity to get Jim into a snowball fight for the, the ending scene of this these episodes. So you think Dwight got hit in the face and he already was thinking about the last scene in... Right, I think he was looking episode. for an opportunity and Jim presented itself. Like, like, I feel like Dwight probably has spent way too much time thinking about how to get back at Jim for some of these pranks and this is one of them. Yeah, what's the... Um, Dwight does something else later to Jim and I don't know if he's done it already. Oh, it's the... Um, yeah, when he was a co-manager during like his diabolical plan phase of Dwight and Jim, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's always trying to get that poor guy. <laughs> oh, to be fair. I think it's a justified re- retaliation at this point. Yeah. All right. That's fair, I suppose. But there was a pebble in there. There so, was a pebble in there. So, yeah. but Hey, I mean, guy, guy give up Dwight. He was wa- rocking a pretty nice bow tie. In the, in the- yeah. He was definitely in his Sunday's best. That was called Sunday best, right? Right. Not vest. I mean, it could be your Sunday vest that goes with your Sunday best. That's that's very true. Um, so we got, what is it, those two photographers? Oh, yeah. Angela, like, oh, yeah. Angela uh, is, like, talking about dating someone in the public eye, and Oscar and um, Kevin are giving her shit about it, about how, like, he's not a real senator, and, you know, he doesn't have any real power. Right, uh, but she goes to these social events where there's two photographers at the cool. at the comptroller's house. Yeah, um, and then Pam is laying down the rules. Right, she's talking about uh, uh, so like what should be happening at this Christmas party. <laughs> so there's no, you know, no hashing out of these like. Uh, it's like no personal feelings, not getting drunk. Yeah, you know, it's a party. So yeah. I wonder if like like even she was kind of making a dig at herself because you know she's definitely taking like office events to gush a bit or get out some personal stuff at, you know like beach party or whatever. Right, right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> she's part of the problem. She, yeah, I mean they've all been part of the problem one time or another. So we find out that uh, Toby will be leaving for a bit, right? Because um, he has been selected as a jury for the Scranton Strangler case. Right. And we all kind of wonder why he left, did leave the show for a while. Like maybe it was just to get this done with the whole Holly thing and that's the easiest way to do it. Or Yeah, because I guess they couldn't really rationalize why Toby and Holly would be there at the same time. Right. Um, considering how little Toby probably does, aside from conflict resolution, because I'm not I'm <laughs> sure Michael's not having him do stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, he regularly produces and stuff, so I'm sure he was still on set. But Oh, yeah. I mean, at one point that he had a all-over deal or whatever, you know, like he was the showrunner for a yeah. while on the show. Yeah. Um, but so we find out then that um, Holly will be coming to take over for his position in the interim, and it doesn't seem like it's specifically a permanent thing. I mean, I wouldn't think so, right? I mean, that's like the... You know, there's this whole thing about it later on where, like, Michael's really upset that she didn't dump AJ when she came to screen. But, you know, you would think it would just be for the length of the trial because eventually he would come back, right? Right, 
Right, right. Yeah, so I imagine she's probably doing some semblance of both offices, HR stuff. Um, or, you know, they over. transferred her and there's a, like... Well, Joe probably transferred her as a favorite to Michael, right? R- well, you would think so, yeah. Because that's what he says in that plane uh, during, what is it, the cover-up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she probably somehow, <laughs> way, way up there in Tallahassee, she saw this come across her desk that Toby had to take a break or whatever and she somehow remembered and she took the opportunity to do Michael a song. I think that's what we're right, supposed to It would have been really that. easy just to get like a temp or a, temp uh, or just, a corporate person. Yeah. Or just have Gabe do it. I mean, right, right. Because I mean that's kind of the role he, it feels like he has anyway is you know being, being sort of an HR person because he does do some of those com you know conflicts in the office and that kind of crap right yeah yeah exactly right um yeah so i really feel like this is a solid from joe um but i feel feel kind of sorry for holly she just keeps getting moved around yeah it's true um but that's all right (laughs) what are you gonna do what are you gonna do at least she has a job in this economy you know right especially in 2011 in the northeast yeah yeah i'm only a couple years out from that so like michael loves like i mean he is psyched that holly's coming back yeah you know so um like aaron's like who's this person like i don't know what do you call a person who's an old friend and a lover and and something and maybe a part of your future (laughs) and like he just starts like no cancel this this party's canceled throw everything away he just starts like throwing shit in the in the uh trash can he's like well, we don't have money for another party. He's like, oh, everyone will chip in. Yeah. Pam's like, I really think you're idealizing people again. Because uh, those people do not give a crap. Right, right. And so he's like, I'll pay for it. And it's, you know, his thing is like classy Christmas. Right, right. So he is Santa uh, Bond. Yeah. Um, so you get this like fun, uh, he's like wearing like this velour outfit with a, one of those like kangaroo cabbie hats, but it's got like a little Santa curve at the end to have the uh, the snowball, not the snowball, whatever, the puffball. I don't understand fashion, especially North Pole fashion, so bear with me. Uh, he hires a uh, single upright bass player. Right. Because he could have him for the day instead of half an hour of a stringed quartet. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a dumb thing you do, but... At least he didn't hire like the trumpetist or something. <laughs> like a bassist, you know, yeah. can actually do some stuff with a you know an upright bass. I mean, you could do stuff with a trumpet, Jacob. How dare you? Right, but it's you know more you chill. Put a, you put a mute on the trumpet, Jacob. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> Why you got to throw me under the bus like that? I was a trumpet player from grades five to six, and then my senior year of high school. So I'm pretty serious. <laughs> no well and it's funny too right because then michael has this realization that this could be like a weird choice but what's happening in the background is the bassist is tuning the bass mm-hmm. um but obviously michael doesn't get it so he thinks this is some weird bass music right right he's like it's like jazz like he thinks he's like some like yeah. nice jazz or right right <laughs> he has this really weird thing about uh like the fake tree yeah he's like from someone from new hampshire that's like a burning cross that's a weird thing (laughs) yeah yeah i mean not for nothing season seven like 
that's Michael. That's what he says. He doesn't understand <laughs> that like a fake tree is not the same as hateful racist symbols. But apparently, to people from New Hampshire, it is. So yeah. Well, if you're from New Hampshire, write us a write us an email because we want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Angel is like tailoring the suit while Mike's wearing it, right? Mm. Pinning stuff back, and it's great. But then we see Pam's gift to Jim. Fair man, the comic. Yeah, I mean, I do a fair amount of like printing for work and stuff, and I hate mm. it. <laughs> so I don't know how she did it. I mean, probably if she did it digitally and then sent it to a printer, they figured it out for her, which would be nice. Though it'd probably still cost out the wazoo to get it a single issue printed. No, depends bulk. on the paper. Yeah, the other thing too, I was wondering is like, what if she? It's all by hand. That would be something. I yeah. mean, you figure she did all the art in it, right? Right. Yeah. Because then I wonder, like, did she take like eleven by seventeen tabloid paper and like kind of saddle staple it herself and? Because <clears throat> then that makes that that particular copy kind of different too, right? Because then it'll have all of her arty textures and stuff. But to be fair, I don't really know what Pam's medium is, and they don't either. Like she's just an artist, right? right. So she does this flash animation for a commercial. She does watercolors for her art show. She does pencil work for this comic book. She does like a mural, not watercolor, totally different. Um, yeah, what does she do? What is her skill set? She's just a little, she's got everything, man. She's, she's Pam. She's, she's the best. She's, she's Pam. She's just Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's how it is. It's like she's just Pam. Yeah. Um so yeah, we my uh, Toby, he shows up to the party. Right. And Michael's like, Why are you here? Because I guess he thought like once he went in to be on the jury, he wouldn't wouldn't be back or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in Michael's universe, he was just like he's essentially dead in Michael's universe, and Michael couldn't have been happier. That's right. And Michael is pissed. <laughs> like he keeps like talking shit about him. Yeah, um, but everybody, uh, Toby, kind of becomes like the talk of the party, right? Because they're asking him all these questions about the trial and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I know they just want to talk to you about the trial, but maybe you know, one day we're just talking." Yeah, that's the trick. That's like, how you do it. I know we talked about this before, but the whole transition of like Toby being sort of like stepped on to just like full on sad sack sucks. Like I don't like it. Yeah, well then like there's some real weird stuff in the future too. Whoops, with um Donna. Is there? Oh Donna? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Donna Noble. Yeah, and she's and he's like really creepy around her in a way that like he was kind of creepy with Pam, but like it's just a lot weirder with Donna. Yeah, I mean I know it gets beat on by Michael a lot, so maybe that's what it is. And he's just like if it, he just he's been broken and has just given up. So I don't well, know. And some of the stuff he does to himself, right? Because like really realistically, I think Toby is like a fine person. I think most people don't have an issue with Toby. Like Michael is this outlier, right? And I, um, it's even said later that like Pam would have had a crush on Toby, like they're good Toby. Oh yeah, Toby definitely missed the boat on that. So it's like he's not weird in a way, what in the way that Michael treats him. But then right later on, he does become weird. Right. And and not not to not to go on the the old J Ray train about why the show is not so great now and in the future. But uh, yeah, they do some like you know. The funny thing was Toby being a normal guy and then being crapped on. The not funny thing is to have him be this really weird guy who people suspect of being the Scranton Strangler <laughs> being pooped on because then you're just like, oh my God, yeah, probably. <laughs> my, Michael drove him to 
to murder. To murder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it's the next week. Yes. In in um, episode time or show time. If Michael and not Michael, Jim and Pam are coming to work. There's a snowman, and then and so it's, it's you know it's snow. There's snow everywhere, and Dwight pops out. Like I wonder how like did he like bore like little holes through the snowman so he could see, but he's like encased in this like eight foot tall snowman. Right. right. He probably know. has superior hearing <laughs> as a beet farmer, you know. You know that had to have been like I, I'm sure they did some stuff to help him, but that had to have been really uncomfortable. Especially if they had to do multiple takes of that scene for Rain Wilson. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is like real snow or some type of snow-like material, you know? Yeah, I guess it could be like, yeah, I guess I didn't think of it being like a, a material that looked like snow. Yeah, yeah. Because um, then they could like shove it in a mold real quick and he's just standing in there or whatever. But um, tough. But he does it. He uh, really, really pegs Jim to the point where he's on the ground. He's got a bloody nose. Uh, it is kind of terrifying. The fear that Jim will feel <laughs> through these two episodes is a real fear. And I think it's what inspired John Krasinski to create The Quiet Place. <laughs> it's like, imagine if you make a sound and a beat farmer throws snowballs at you. And then the studio's like, okay, well, that's weird. What if they're monsters? <laughs> and he's like, fine. As long as in the script, I could call the monsters dwigged. <laughs> Jokes abound. Okay, so um, <clears throat> um, let's see. Okay, so Holly shows up, mm-hmm. right? And she's carrying all of her boxes, and she's like, "Hey, can you help me?" And Aaron's like, "Oh no, I'm trying to wait for my boss's pretty friend." Right. Um, and this is the beginning of Aaron just never liking Holly. Right. And so I guess like Michael, because there's obviously some kind of relationship there between Mike or Michael and Aaron. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you, like a, you got this impression that, you know, Aaron was expecting, you know, Scarlett Johansson or some, you know, to walk through the door. Right. And it's just Holly. And he's like, she, she's like, oh, you're not what I expected, I guess. Right, right. Well, and Michael, at least in the bit that we see, doesn't describe her as like a fox, Right. Um, I mean, whenever he's talked about it, he's essentially described her as being perfect. Yeah, but not specifically visually. Right, right. He doesn't really ever describe, he's like, well, what do you say, Holly with the perfect breasts? Right, right, right. Right. So. Who we all remember. (laughs) Oh, yes, perfect breasts. Who could forget? Um, But yeah, so this starts this thing where um, eventually later on, Aaron's like, I just don't get it. I love that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just okay. uh, so, and so I, I guess it's sort of like um, the animosity is an interesting thing to me because it's like, is it like stepdaughter, like daughter, like meeting the stepmom for the first right. time? Is yeah, that the kind of hate? Or is it like, I've seen what you've done to my, you know, friend slash father figure and I'm never going to like you, period? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like that. And I wonder if that's like, and Aaron was an orphan thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny. And Aaron is the one, too, who's, like, involved for the search for Michael later on, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it does come around in, like, a nice way where, like, mm-hmm. I still think she admits that she doesn't get it, but she supports it when she sees how happy it makes Michael. Right, right. But, there, yeah, I mean, there's so much good Aaron stuff in this episode. Like, 
or like later on where like she just like runs interference for Michael like to make sure that Holly yeah. doesn't do anything and uh but yeah so uh Holly comes in and we remember that oh right Holly is essentially female Michael so she says yeah. something about like it looks like a party for limo drivers and then they start being like super racist and homophobic with each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all it's all specifically directed at Oscar. I think without Holly knowing it, I think she's just go feeding off of what Michael's given her. Right. But those are his two impressions. That yeah, it was like a, a span, you know, bad Mexican, like um, Speedy Gonzalez, Gonzalez from like Looney Tunes from right. back in the day, kind of thing. And like then like a very over the top like. Uh, homosexual you know gay you know what is the quote-unquote gay voice or whatever do you want to do any of those impressions Jacob? no i do not I think we'd all like not, to hear no mm-hmm. i'm good we'll leave a review on this episode <laughs> in itunes if you want to hear it but uh yeah so then mike and holly are having some moments and they're kind of catching up and it's all mm-hmm. very friendly and nice but michael doesn't know holly's relationship status he thinks he knows all right. Um, they have this conversation and she pulls out a Woody doll from the mm. Disney film Toy Story. Um, right. They start talking about it. We find out that it was a gift from AJ. Right. You see, like, he, he, uh, I found it in my bed. And it was weird that she phrased it that way. Like, she was trying to not say it. Like, in right. my bed instead of in our bed when I woke up. Because they're living yes. together. So it would be their bed, not her bed. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things too. I mean, well, one, so we know Holly wrote this note that she never sent regarding her feelings mm. about Michael, right? Right. And then she shows a lot of instances in this episode before the, you know, the actual conversation about it where she still is like showcasing small amounts of feelings for Mike too. Right. And so I wonder if it's one of those things where maybe she didn't really realize how she felt. So that was... Right. Why, you know, well, so I wonder if she says my bed because like it technically is her bed, even though she shares it with AJ because mm-hmm. she like doesn't want to say that they're dating, you know, right? But then you know, she's like, Oh, we live together, and Michael's very sad, yeah, yeah. But we do find out a thing about Mike, uh, about his favorite character in Toy Story, yes, it's Andy's mom who. Do we ever see her face or is she always, is she like Muppet Baby in it with like, like never above the shoulder? I'm pretty sure we see her face in Toy Story 3 because the people yep, in that you're right. like are pretty important. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if we see her in 2 though. Maybe we do because we also see that chicken Toy Story dude, his face. I think yeah. it's just the first one where we only see Andy's face. Yeah, it's just been a, it's been a long time since I watched those movies, I need to do that. But without Andy's mom, there is no plot. Is do you agree the toys that's right right and specifically buzz really because otherwise right. they're all having a grand old time you know there i mean sort of famously and it's been much speculated about and talked about and is that there is no father figure ever talked about in the toy story movies right so it they're moving for her you know in toy story one right so that's the you know so she is a she is essentially the plot driver for Toy Story 1, especially. Yeah, yeah. So there, Mike is smart. He knows what's <laughs> up. Well, we, 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 we've long established that he knows movies pretty well. Like, we were talking about, like, uh, Die Hard and, right. you know. <laughs> Die Hard. You know, a lot of Christmas movies, Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2. Uh, um, so we switch gears. Um, 
they go out to they Andy and uh, Pam go out to get a real Christmas tree, and they with Daryl. Well, they get Daryl the car. Got a truck. That's right. He originally didn't want to go, and he was a bit of a dick. But he changes his mind. He needs the fresh air. And uh, this is where we find out that the plans with his daughter aren't going as well as he had anticipated. Right. So with, with the with the I'm trying I'm trying to think of it with, with the the weeks being off. Like so, the Christmas party was supposed to be the week before, and then it so it was the next week. And so I assume there's some kind of joint custody between him and. Whatever the mom's name is, I can't remember. Um, So is that like, so was she, did they try and like swap weeks again to work it out or something? Well, so I don't know if it's always a weekend thing. Right, but it would make sense that it'd be alternating weekends, right? I mean, assuming that he sees her all the time. But part of what this is feels like he doesn't see her that often on like a schedule. Right. Because this Christmas thing is really important to him. And the timing works for alternating Christmases for sure. So I wonder if they do like a holiday thing. Like yeah, it could be. Had her for Thanksgiving last mm-hmm. year, but not Christmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we find out that she doesn't want to come. The daughter, Jada, is that it? Yeah, Jada. She doesn't want to come for Christmas because she didn't have a, fun, a lot of fun the last time. Even though right, Daryl was enjoying watching iCarly. Right, because you know Daryl. Daryl didn't make it fun for her. You know, he was letting her buy all the gifts and. Right. Um, so Pam has this idea where like Jada should come to the office party mm-hmm. and that could be fun. Um, I think this is before they fully understand what classy Christmas is uh, because they walk in and they're kind of disappointed by what's going on. You got this Hugh Hefner looking Santa Claus Right, and like the decorations are kind of sparse, and they're they're all like silver and stuff. And, right, right. Which I mean, I like the silver decorations, but I, I kind of get it. I mean, not for nothing. It is classy. It is classy. Achieved day class A. <laughs> um, and uh, but the Jada comes in, and Andy is Andy and Pam are carrying the tree, and Andy's like, "Don't hug me. I have sap on me." And Oscar's like, "Who would hug you? Like ever?" <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Andy is weird. And my wife pointed out, I was like, this feels like the start of Andy really going downhill. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, yeah, because his next experience with Aaron is short-lived and not great. And it's really like uh, all of the negative repercussions of his inability to keep Aaron as a girlfriend, I yeah. think is like the catalyst of Andy being a shithead. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think... Well, especially when you get to season nine, that if, you know, all the stuff hadn't happened with his family, he probably would have kept Aaron. Mm. But I don't, it just seems like that, uh, like all the stuff with the family, which is, you know, reasonable, just messed with them too bad. Right, right. Um, so that's going on. Um, but yeah. then. Yeah, we, we, we flashed back to the. The back, the annex, and all the 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 women are kind of grilling Holly about her relationship status. Right. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, it's such a weird thing, right? Because like, presumably, they don't really know AJ either. So the scene is playing out that these women just mm-hmm. like to engage in gossip. Right. Which I mean, I mean, you can say right, and I suppose Mindy Kaling wrote it, so she's okay to be an ambassador of women. <laughs> uh, but I just don't know if that is accurate 
because I feel like I know a fair share of chicks who would be like, who would be paying in that situation and be like, how are you settling in and stuff? (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. just like, why aren't you engaged? (laughs) Right. But it is very consistent with especially Kelly and Phyllis's character throughout the show. Right. Yeah. Like it makes perfect I mean, at sense. Least for Kelly. I don't know about Phyllis still. Oh, Phyllis is a big time gossip. And like so they're talking and like Phyllis is just like being hardcore about it all. She's like, You gotta tell him to commit or kick his butt to the curb. Right, right. Man, you wrote Phil just laying down the law. Everybody's just laying down the law in classy <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> um so I just, yeah. Yeah, this is when we get like because Aaron is just like She's oh she starts like sort of backdoor ragging on Holly about how like hey maybe you can't be turning down men you know right right and she's like I don't get it I just don't get I don't see it I don't get yeah I I love it like that is the perfect moment for Aaron yeah and you know later on we have the whole like you know she's not a perfect forty right right. Um, so Jim, I forget the exact position of everybody, but like Jim and Pam kind of meet each other coming Jim, back into the main bullpen. Yeah, area. she was coming from the break room when he was coming, I guess, from like Michael's office or something. I mean, the party's happening now, right? Right. So you might so have gone out of the Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was coming from a way to where he really couldn't see Pam. Well, Dwight's face with Pam, the Pam wig. Right. Right. Cause so, so what happens is he walks, sees Pam and he's confused. So he turns back to the desk because in his mind he had just seen her. Right. And Dwight's got a glass bowl full of snowballs. He just starts pelting them. Yeah. And then Kevin closes the conference room door to <laughs> stop Jim from trying to save himself. Which I wonder if like he, uh, like if that was arranged or if you know, Kevin just didn't want any snow. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I wonder if, like, maybe he didn't realize it was specifically Jim being targeted. <laughs> so he's like, I just save everybody. But, uh, yeah, it, it, we see, like, the assortment of Dwight Wiggs and, like, how he impersonates people. Yeah. Uh, Kevin's reaching into a candy bowl. Stanley's doing a crossword puzzle. I'm not sure what Meredith, I know he did Meredith, but I don't remember who. What yeah, I don't know if she had a stick, shtick, but I think she was also the first one. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so you know, like Pam, like she goes to to Ryan to ask about, like she's trying to get some some uh, feedback on her gift. Yeah, which I don't know why she does. A period, and B like in this office specifically, like these are the people who didn't go to her art show. Why is she going to show them her art for feedback? I mean, I I could definitely like see the wanting like some confirmation that this wasn't a terrible idea. Like maybe she had a backup plan and she was trying to figure out if she should go get it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is a little late. They're exchanging gifts today. You know? right. mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm not sure, but you know, Ryan does make some good points about how like, you know, the story and the quest aren't linked and all this other stuff. Well, you don't it's know that. Such you, a, you didn't read it. Think about it. Okay. If they are valid criticisms, they yeah. seem very well thought. He's just such a douche. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's just like, why ask Ryan? Because he's young. People. You know, <laughs> or yeah. something. Even though I think they're close to the same age. Like, they can't be that far apart. Yeah. I would imagine that they're about the same age. But, I mean, uh, maybe, th- like, may- tops four years difference. 
Yeah, and even then, I feel like that's a lot. That's too much. Mm. Uh, so, like, so Jim has a. I don't. I don't know if there's an actual term for it, but a lacrosse stick. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, like we've never heard of him ever playing lacrosse ever. Uh, no, not specifically. I mean, we know he's not good at soccer. Right. He has an interest in baseball and basketball. And football. I mean, he's a big sports he played, guy. He played basketball. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but we never like. Where did that come from? Did he bring like? Where did like? Where did he get it? Was it just like laying in the car, <laughs> like right. that he could go get it or whatever? And so he like tries to throw the snowball at Dwight, misses, and it breaks a window. Yeah. Which I was actually looking at it. So those. You know, if you you're any good, you can really whip stuff around. Like professional lacrosse players, like the average speed for a shot is 100 miles an hour. Jesus. So, I mean, some of those guys are probably whipping at like 120, right? So, you know, if you're athletic and know how to use it, you could probably whip that snowball. Like, if it was packed decently enough, probably at least 50 miles an hour. Yeah, that's like a fastball to the face. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Like, you know, shit. Like you can tell Jim is rattled because this is not a Jim response. Just to, like yeah. try to lacrosse Dwight in the face. Right, right. And, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of to close out the first half of this episode, uh, Michael dumps Woody in the trash and then pours his coffee on him. Right, and I and I feel like in that moment he does regret doing it. But like not enough to like try to fix it immediately, right? So like, he has this like look of anguish on his face that I feel like is a combination of his sadness plus some genuine remorse, right? So where where does this rank on the all time Michael scale terrible thing? Like like it's not as bad as Scott's tots, but this feels worse because it's so much more personal. Like it's so vindictive against Holly, this woman he loves, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's parallel to verbally mimicking Charles Minor, <laughs> um, which was pretty bad. So if we say like 10 is like maximum shitty Michael, I mean, this is probably like a seven. Yeah, I think just with like the context for me, it, it just feels dirty to do this. Yeah. Is, you know, it's, it's something she cherishes. You know, just to do that is just so shitty. Like, I, mean, me, like, I can't, I can't do it. Like it's just so bad. Because like I would say, date Mike is like a nine. You know, see this, this, this to me is worse than date Mike. And then I think cheating Mike pre meeting the coach is a ten. Like it, it's, it's the fact that I think he already feels bad about it is what makes this less to me. Okay, but that's assuming you think he feels bad, which is not. Is not stated. That's just how I feel from his face. See, I, I got the more just like the well, that's that. <laughs> like I see. I, I think to me it was more of a I've lost, I've lost, so I'm going to score some points. You know, the the empire and collapse analogy. Right. So like everything his entire world is breaking, so he's just gonna burn it to the ground and watch it while it happens. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of I mean that's pretty much I think that's exactly where the first episode of Classic Christmas ends. Yeah. And granted, when this was done, you know, when I watched it air, it was just one episode. But then it was split in it. Yeah. Um, Should we just jump into the second one? 
Yeah, yeah, might as well. Yeah, so Jim is covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, because uh, <laughs> like Dwight got him pretty good. Yeah, he's got bloody lip, bloody nose. There's like blood, like even lower on his shirt because it's like so much that it dripped. Right, and they're getting so they're, they're getting like dressed down by Holly and Michael, Michael's office, and like this whole thing about like you know what if. M- Meredith had been taking her smoke break because we know she likes her afternoon cigars. Right. Uh, you know, it would have, Charles of Glass would have shaved her face right off. And as funny as that would have been. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's the worst part about it is Michael would think that would be funny. Yeah. And, you know, this is like uh, the dude who exposed himself to Phyllis, you know, like he can't really not see humor in crimes. <laughs> um, and then Holly says like you guys were best friends last time i was here and the look they give each other is hilarious yeah yeah but it is some i don't know if it was intentional foreshadowing but it is some pretty good foreshadowing because they do eventually become very close friends right right right. you're close enough that you know jim is supposed to be the bestest mensch at dwight's wedding that's right um so then mike goes on and he thinks he you know he tries to tell the following story under this ruse that it is related to the situation, but it's ultimately not right about a girlfriend named Tara who has taken him to an airport, uh, specifically JFK. Right. And, but he was supposed to go to LaGuardia. Right. Which I don't know. Like I've, I know I've flown through LaGuardia. I don't know about JFK, but I have no idea about their relation to each other. Like, is that like, they're not close. Is it like an hour between them? Two hours? Like, uh, Let's see. Because LaGuardia is like right around. I mean, that's pretty close to like the Jersey, New York border, right? Uh, no. No. They're, they're all they're all kind of far in. Oh, well, this says, that can't be right. This says 20 minutes, according to Google Maps, by car. Uh, <laughs> but that's at 830 on a Sunday. Right. And even so, 20 minutes is a big deal when you're trying to catch a plane. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, and I see you made a note about <laughs> would you go to New York? Like, there's no reason. You would never fly from New York City to Scranton, PA, right? Like, there, there, there's no way there's an airport in Scranton. So where is Mike going? Well, no, he's going to New York to fly to somewhere else, I think. Uh, okay. Well, then that begs the question, where was he going? Yeah, no. I mean, it's nonsense from, <laughs> from beginning to end. <laughs> I mean, because you don't, because those are international airports, right? Well, yeah, but apparently there is the Wilkes-Barre Scranton International Airport. Well, there you go. Yeah. With nonstop service to Pittsburgh. What up? I mean, I know a lot of people in Jersey, or in New York, rather, who will come to Newark uh, because, like, things just time out better. Like, it's mm-hmm. worth it to, to fly to New Jersey and then drive to Manhattan as opposed to land in New York City and try to get anywhere else. That's how I understood people's complaints about it. I can see that. Yeah, I'm sure someone will correct me on that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, you you can fly from New York City to Scranton. Yeah, 30 Rock makes a joke when Matt Damon's on that uh, people are flying from Newark to Atlantic City. <laughs> and that's like a two-hour drive. Right. So. so nonstop, it's an hour. Got it. For, uh, from the, I mean, to be fair, that's like a three-hour drive, four-hour drive. Is it? I know we've looked at it before, but... Yeah, I mean, my mom lives in Wilkes-Barre, and uh, 
that's like a two and a half hour drive for me and I'm in Jersey. Yeah, well, it's, according to this, it's two hours and 11 minutes to New York from Scranton. Driving? Huh? Driving. Driving, yes. 128 miles from New York, New York to Scranton. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the only thing I'll say, and we get, I get a lot of feedback from people I know in other states who don't understand why when you're 15 miles away from something, mm. it would take you more than 20 minutes to get there. Oh, yeah. That's something I had to learn when I moved to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, because people live here. It's not <laughs> middle of Ohio, you know? Like, there are people here. I have to wait because I can't phase shift through cars. Right. Well, from, me drives like a dumb dumb. It looks, it looked like from the map that you kind of have to go out of your way to get to like the right highways from Jersey, where in New York, you can just like get on the right highway right away. It looks like well, yeah, West, West Jersey is basically Pennsylvania. There's no reason to be there. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's tough because New Jersey is such a small state, you know, mm. but, but there's so much of it. That's just garbage. Well, the entire state's a fucking suburb. I mean, well, that's true. We do have a beach, though. <laughs> so yeah. this episode, so after um, like the whole them yelling at Jim and Dwight, Holly comes in with the wood. Like, she is pissed. Which right. she has every right to be, obviously. I'm not... Right. I mean, she's fucking pissed. Um, so everyone's trying to figure out who did it. Um, and, like, Michael tries to... P- put it on toby toby's like no this seems like something you would do right which i did like that whole like because you don't see toby come back at michael too often but he did here and that was really nice yeah well i think what made it work so well too is like because like michael did it Mm -hmm. so like michael couldn't just like like he is actually very bad at improv right right (laughs) so when his back is up against the wall like he He's not doing very well playing it off. But Kevin has a wonderful theory that perhaps Woody actually came to life and fell into the thing on accident. Yeah. Did it to himself. So, you know, Michael's trying to play it off as a joke. Yep. Which is terrible. And then he just, he keeps going at it and he's like, you know, it's a terrible thing. We're going to tell our kids. It was accident born of jealous feelings. Yeah, yeah. Jim says fake girlfriends are always a no. Yeah, because like Jim and Jim and Dwight thought you were jealous when they definitely didn't. Yeah. Um, and so Mike just starts, you know, uh, like sorry, like you know, you did all this with AJ and you wouldn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, we uh, talked about it earlier, but like he's not, he doesn't get that this is probably a temporary position as opposed to Nashville was like she was transferred. Right, right. Well, and I actually ha- will apposite a theory that perhaps she was dating AJ before she came to Scranton. Like she pulled a, what she essentially did to AJ what she did to Michael, and they got back together when she went back to Nashville. But she was, was she, I don't think she was transferred from somewhere to Scranton. I think like she was a new HR rep. Because she's got a lot of instances where, like, Mike kind of has to explain the way. And uh, the corporate HR rep is, like, giving her shit in a way where, like, because she doesn't know, you know? I thought she, I really thought she came from Dunder Mifflin. No, because she talks about how she came from another job before. And right, but, but it, on a professional level. Right. I just always thought she was at Dunder Mifflin before she came to, but maybe not. Maybe you're right. Let's see. You're probably right. 
Holly undergoes training from Toby to become the HR representative at this grand ranch. That's all it says. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what it is. It just seems like she was so new to like everything. Right. Maybe so. Maybe so. And like she starts, you know, she she starts to get real defense, not real defensive, but real apologetic about it. She's like, I'm sorry. It wasn't my fault. And like, she's got no reason to feel bad about right. her relationship. I mean, it's Mike's being of a dick. Mike's being a dick. And, uh, you know, like there's she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. She might. I mean, the only thing you might be able to do is say she didn't handle the breakup the best but it wasn't like i don't think she did anything wrong there either yeah and again not to put anything on holly because like you said really she's the same person in the situation but i suppose one of them could have reached out before the official transfer to be like to touch base and be like hey yeah that probably would have been a smart idea to like you know clear the air so to speak so you're coming in with the right expectations yeah because you know Michael thought that she would be single and ready to date. Based on what? Every rom-com ever. It was every rom-com starring somebody. Who uh, every rom-com said. by Nora Ephron. Whoever that is. Uh, yeah, she did some rom-coms. Not even rom-coms. They're more like lifetime stuff. Kind of like more in line with like Nicholas Sparks crap. Mm, okay. So I don't know where the com comes from. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Aaron does her hockey check to block Holly from chasing Mike down when he goes to his office. Yeah, it's like, she amazingly, we have this great talking heads, like, is she an amazing cook or something? Yeah. And my, my wife, you know, suggested that Mike was just after the booty with Holly. I see. Well, she, so, she, she likes yoga. She, does a, she has a butt that refuses to quit, apparently. Right. <laughs> and as we said before, perfect boobs. Perfect boobs. I mean, you... What, who's who can compete with perfect boobs? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'm just saying things to make you feel awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, uh, Dwight, so there, so sort of flashing back or, or change swapping, uh, Dwight has put a present on Jim's desk. He was like, apparent like hay pickles something swiss cheese or swiss whatever so apparently they call each other some food related names right, right. which is weird yeah like, I've, I've never gotten the whole food related nicknames for like boyfriend girlfriends husband wife well especially SOs. like non-pastry thing like you call someone like honey bun or buttercup right or like you know babe ruth <laughs> just kidding not a pastry yeah, but like calling someone Pickles is a little weird. Unless your name is Tommy Pickles. It's fine. It's your last name. What are you going to do? <laughs> I have a friend whose last name is Pickles. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's totally appropriate to call that dude Pickles then. Right, right. You call him Cucumber, it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I should start doing that. But inside the package is this little like snowball catapult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, gets him right in the face. It's very funny. Everybody loves it. And that's what's messed up too. Is that like Jim's terrified, but the office is really digging it. Well, we've kind of talked about this before, but like Jim has been doing these pranks for so long. Right. It would be hard not to enjoy watching him getting getting some comeuppance, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah that's what it is. Is like, I mean, besides the whole, you know, Dwight actually like 
bludgeoning him with snow to the point where he's bleeding on his shirt. Right. If that wasn't there, the snow catapult would have been hilarious because it's not going to hurt him. It's just like right, you know, it's it's six inches maybe. Right, right. It's a pretty ingenious prank. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's what it is by itself. It's good. But as like, I mean, at this point though, it's basically like a saw torture trap. <laughs> <laughs> and we know Dwight has seen Saw and that he seesaws. Right. That's true. <laughs> it was so, uh, Stanley's talking to Toby about the, uh, you know, the jury about, and he learns that he, they get all their lunches catered in for them. Right. And, it, and this is probably one of the most iconic standing lines, like sit in air conditioned room downtown judging people while my lunch is paid for yeah that's the life that is the life <laughs> um so jade is there and she's bored and she tells daryl that she wants to go like read her book in the conference room or something right mm-hmm. or in his office that's what it is um but then pam's got a great idea or she's already implemented it with andy she's she's seen it on a couple of shots that you know she's not having a good time right so her and Andy have concocted this plan to get her excited. And essentially the Grinch stole the star on top of the Christmas tree. Right. And took and it down to the the warehouse. Right. And yeah, there's like this fun, weird little setup that like looks like it could be like a maze or an obstacle course or like a hide and seek thing or something. Mm-hmm. And Andy comes out and in his Grinch-like attire, which is basically several jackets worn backwards <laughs> and a scarf. That's your like political riddle. Yeah, topical political trivia. She has to answer three. So it's like, how many senators does the state of Pennsylvania have? And what other state has the same amount of senators? Right. Or con- it would have to be congressmen because all states. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's bad. Like, Andy, Andy is bad and should feel bad for how terrible this was. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend told me that she thinks that would be me with children. That, <laughs> that, I, would, that I would try and I would miss very much. Well, um, yeah, it would it would be hard to miss this much. Yeah, well, because then like Pam and uh, Daryl are able to like save it and turn it into like a bit of a scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, Andy just gives her the damn star. So like all that work probably took them like an hour to set up all that garbage there. Yeah, he just gives up the star, just misses it entirely. Right. Yeah, it's just terrible. terrible. Um, but back upstairs, yep. The the senator shows. That's right. For the first, well, for the first time as the boyfriend. Right. Comes in. He says, "Save the cheerleaders. Save the world." <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah. So Oscar shakes his hand, and Oscar has this like weird thing. I mean, well, one, they're going to have this thing in the future, so that could be what this is too. But two, Oscar has been shown to not actually have a lot of like balls in the situation where he's like really like bigger bark than bite kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a situation to talk crap about all the heads of Dunder Mifflin, gets invited up there, totally chickens out. Right. This dude, the senator, uh, comes into the office uh, and he is eagerly shaking the dude's hand. Right. So on one hand, it could be because he is wowed that it's a senator, even though he's talking smack. But on the other hand, it could be the beginning of his inklings of feelings for the dude. Well, he knows, like, like immediate talking head. He's like, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's gay, he's this, nice guy. Right, right. So maybe he's just like, you know, I mean, 
Maybe. Well, obviously he's attracted to him because they start, you know, boning later. Well, that's what it is too. Does Oscar set out to expose the senator's homosexuality because he's into it? Or is he originally doing it to kind of like, it's hard because does he dislike Angela so much? Well, I don't think he, like, what do you mean expose expose it? Like, I don't know. Yeah, not like publicly. Like, he's not trying to make a thing of it. But like, is he trying to like, does he relish the fact that he's gay and using Angela as like his beard Um, in a vindictive way? Yeah, maybe. Because part of me also feels like he doesn't dislike Angela that much. I feel like they've kind of reconciled since he came back from his gaycation. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, you know, later on when they get engaged, he's like, oh, I'm mortified for Angela. But as a lover of weddings, I'm, you know, excited or something. So like they have this frenemy kind of thing going on. Yeah, it's true. It's a little weird. Um, It's not totally clear. But as we said, he's going to end up playing with that dude's wiener at some point. So, (laughs) yeah, and then to make things even more uncomfortable, AJ shows up. Yeah. it uh like he's like hey i'm aj it's holly here and Aaron just i i guess it's more of a thing to protect michael but she's like i know who you are and i think you should leave right right <laughs> which like he's never met this person before and she's like throwing so much shade his way yeah <laughs> so bad Aaron's great <laughs> uh but mike does a great job he comes out he says enjoy the party mm-hmm. <laughs> um but immediately goes to his talking head and says, I'm dead inside. Yep. Which is probably one of the most like memed like things out there, at least yeah. on imager or imager, yeah. however, however the fuck it said. You're not supposed to say it out loud. It's like fight club. <laughs> it's the first rule. The minute you start talking about giraffes, everybody's like, Oh boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So AJ's there and it's weird. Everybody knows it. Um, Daryl is still trying to kind of save what he can with Jada. Hmm. And they find the break room. Right. Which is just a room full of vending machines. And she loves it. There's like, you have a room full of vending machines? To be fair, like, I remember going to, like, my dad's office when I was young, you know, real young. And seeing, like, because my dad used to work at a really big company. And it was, you know, one of the break rooms seriously had, like, 12 vending machines just in a row. At least I remember it being 12. Maybe it was, like, four, but I was, like, six. So everything seemed bigger. But I remember being really impressed. Yeah, I mean, that was my favorite part of, like, going to, like, a, a laundromat. I was like, oh, there's vending machines there. <laughs> Even though I have to sit here to watch this freaking dryer slowly dry my pants, I'm going to eat chips. And so we get this really nice scene where Daryl's, like, Jada says, like, she doesn't know what she wants. So, like, Daryl's like, all right, and just basically gives her enough coins to buy one of everything. Right. Um, and so she starts going around handing out vending machine foods and... You know, we learned that uh, Michael's favorite breakfast is Hostess Apple Pie. That's right. Like, seriously, how is that dude not like 300 pounds? How is he not Michael Klump? No, it's true. Well, because I feel like he probably doesn't always eat. That's probably true. Yeah. But, yeah, and so and we, we get this nice montage of gift exchanges with, like, Phyllis giving Ryan a... Um, like a knit yeah. tablet. Right, which says something of like I think it says Ryan's iPad or something on it. It says Ryan something or something. Yeah, like he's vegan or some crap. And uh, Creed gets a multi pack of deodorant. (laughs) It's like eight Old Spices, not even wrapped. There's just a bow on it. Uh, And Michael starts to clean Woody, which is a big deal. Yeah, he's got a toothbrush. He's got some soap. He's got all the clothes hanging on a. Make sure yeah. yeah. 
Um, and we see, because we, we learned earlier that Jim is the king of homemade. That's right. And But Jim buys Pam this really nice, looks like diamond bracelet. Yep. No hearts. No hearts. Just it's sort of that sort of like double helix rope design, which, you know, that thing was probably... I mean, if it's got a diamond on the thing, it's it's like a minimum of a, of a grand at a jewelry store. So it's probably like two or three thousand dollars, right? That's right. And we we you know we established previously a great year, capped out as commission. So I don't know what that means, but yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah, he was doing okay. Uh, and you know, Pam is, and then like Pam is all worried and gives him Bear Man, and he loves it. And, yeah, so. yeah, it's a it's a nice moment. I mean, you know. Jim may always be a dick, but uh, the Jim Pam moments on the show are always just so good. Like the good moments. The good moments. There aren't that many bad moments. I mean, the entire last season is a bad moment. Sort of. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly a bad moment. Uh, what is this that you've highlighted here? Oh, so like, the, so there, there's an open bar and, oh. you know, uh, Ryan says something about like trying to get him to make someone to make him a drink because yeah. he's a lazy bastard. Yeah. And he asked uh, Oscar to make him an F train to Brooklyn with extra bitters. And this does not sound very tasty. It's like rum, lime, honey, this liqueur, which is like all sorts of different herbs and spices and bitters it just sounds really bad uh but it's ryan so he's gotta be douchey right yeah yeah terrible (laughs) um so so mike is leaving the party early you know he he's defeated Mm -hmm. uh, he's leaving but pam sees and she runs out and um she shares some information that she has regarding the whole situation that basically you know in in a week or so holly is going to give or I guess that day, but AJ's going to have this ultimatum where they have to be engaged by New Year's. Right. And like, this is kind of a bitch move, right? No. I mean, she she should be, she should not be doing this. Like she shouldn't have read the letter. She shouldn't have told Michael. Like, I know she like, it works out and we're all happy because Michael's happy. But like, I mean, Michael stole that letter. He was going to read it. Right. This was like the happy, happy medium. Yeah. And now she's involved. But she's she could have letter. just deleted it. Like, she was going to, but then she was like, I could read it. Like, I, I, like she's, I don't know. It's not something she should, should be doing, I don't think. I mean, I think if, I mean, because she's not friends with Holly. She doesn't owe Holly anything. And she didn't want to talk about all that stuff anyways. And yeah. she's friends with Michael. I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, still... it sounds like you've had a very dramatic romantic history to, to say the least from the, the small glimpses that we get to see on great Scott, the office podcast featured on broken jars. Um, but uh, so that being said, I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility that you or someone, you know, may have had such a friend who knew such and such like somebody else. And they told it and they were this weird Cupid who was probably overly involved in the relationship at the beginning or whatever. Uh, but that's how some of these things go, you know? And not for nothing, but Mike's got to live his life like a high school drama. He doesn't know any other way. Yeah. 
So he needs a Pam. He needs a Ducky or whatever that dude's name was in 16 Candles. I don't know. I only never, I never saw it. What do you want from me? I'm trying to make references here. <laughs> this is what the people want. So like we assume Mike's going home, but I don't know. If it were me and Mike's position, I probably would have gone like straight to the liquor store then home. Right. Right. Uh, well, but so he finds out this information. He ends up going back upstairs. Right. Feel better. Mm. And you know, then he like he starts to feel better. He does Santa for Jada. Yep. Who apparently wants a horse, not a pony, a horse. That's right. Very, very Tina Belcher. Yeah. Um, and there's this nice bit where AJ finds out that Woody's been kind of someone took a a coffee dump on him, <laughs> and instead Holly kind of makes up a lie about what happened. Right, and that's when you like really know that there's something there. Right, right. Um, so that's this like nice moment, and we obviously know that despite that blow up they had, this is not over. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have our closing scene. Right. So they're leaving, and like everyone's gone, which is weird. Like, why are they the last ones to leave? Yeah, Pam seemed to have had to stay late for some reason. I wonder if she was involved in, like, planning the party, so she had to, like, clean up or whatever. Maybe. There's, what, like, a dozen or more snowmen in the parking lot? Like, full snowmen, like, six-foot-tall, seven-foot-tall snowmen. Right, right. Uh, And it is kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah. That, like, I would nope right out of there. Just, like, nope, I'm going back upstairs. I'm sleeping in the freaking, like, I'm sleeping at my desk. Right. Yeah, because it's straight out of a horror movie, which, you know, I'm sure Dwight has seen uh, his fair share of. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up. So my girlfriend just told me before I came in here that that scene reminded her of another scene from a film. It was like Last Day in Georgia or something. I mean, some of the search terms I'm putting here are terrible. (laughs) Well, anyway, so I guess the shtick of what it was, was that it's this family who is leaving their home to go to another state. Um but before this news is shared with the daughter of the family, she built a bunch of snowmen's that look very similar to the ones that we see in the scene. Mm. Um, she finds out that she's moving. So in a fit of childhood rage, she runs outside with a baseball bat and beats the, all the snowmen down because she's so upset. Right. Right. So she told me, so one, it's reminiscent of what Jim's doing, right? He kind of loses it. Oh yeah. Full shack foo on all of these uh, snowmen, but my girlfriend told me that like the behind the scenes of that original scene, because it was like an old black and white, I guess, was that the directors lied to the little girl and told her that her dog died. Oh, shit. And then they just filmed this little chick running around beating snowmen in this like soulless rage. And that's what they used in the movie. Um, I'm sure they didn't have to use such techniques for yeah. Jim here, but... Yeah, but it's a great scene. So Jen's freaking out. They're just getting to their Subaru and trying to bounce on out of there. Uh, I mean, he's Dwight's up on... Yeah. Huh? He's going for headshots. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's like impaling it with his... Like, well, like, that's the thing. Dumb, if there was a real person in there. He might have killed him. Yeah, that's how much fear he had in him. <laughs> so much fear. So much fear. Well, and it's great, too, because he's like, he's like, this is it. And Pam's like, what's it? And he pushes her to go. So she's got to run in heels or whatever. <laughs> Through the snow. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, Dwight's on top of the roof, just kind of looking down, enjoying his... Uh, mm. his remember, kids, the greatest snowball isn't snowball at all. It's fear. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Fade to black. In yeah. 
All right, man. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, this is a really good episode, episodes, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, you know, it really does set up the end of Michael, which, you know, it's bittersweet because it's good episodes, but it's sad that Michael's leaving. And we kind of, like, we all knew, I think as fans watching it, we all, I think by this point, we all knew this was the end for Michael. Yeah. So, you know, we'll always have that, like, original, being able to remember watching it through, like, the the, the lens of all that. So, I'll give it a 4.25 out of 5 passing resemblances. You know what? Uh, for Christmas, I'm going to give it the same rating. 4.25 <laughs> out of 5 austere foods. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode for Mike in terms of his overarching story. Not right. my favorite Christmas episode, but it's a solid. Mm. And this episode. is like the last, like, the thing with Woody is sort of the last terrible thing he does. Yeah, right. Everything so, else from here is going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like this ending well, for him. He has kind of like a really shitty thing that he does to Toby during his last Dundies, if I recall. Oh like, yeah, well, like, uh, read a thing like something like I've only seen that episode once. I uh, have I have skipped it every time except for the first time I watched it. Yeah, yeah. So, and so oh god, so he's got one more in him, I guess. It's oh guys, oh, oh yeah. guys, I'm gonna be coming in with so much salt. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be terrible when we hit those those uh, Will Ferrell episodes. It's gonna be like Pretzel Day. <laughs> the re- it's going to be the reverse of pretzel day yeah that's true so thanks for coming out you want to email us as broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com uh once again visit broken jars broadcasts broken jars xyz on the interwebs we're on itunes google your favorite podcasting app uh so yeah thanks for coming out and we'll see you next time bye